Welcome to the Inspire Your Audience podcast, where Christian speakers get real advice from other Christian speakers. Here's the host of the show, Jeremy G. Hello, Woods. and welcome to the Inspire Your Audience podcast. Okay, uh, John, I'm glad to have you out here on this episode. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jeremy. It's great to be here, on it, uh, and I'd love to share with your audience how to be an effective Christian speaker. Thank you for being on. So, uh, as a first question, uh, friend, sing in this chapel, uh, God appeared to me as a light and spoke to me for 20 minutes. Uh, and, and this was a very beautiful experience, very powerful experience. And so I thought rather arrogantly that I had discovered God. So I then uh, went through a long period of searching to decide which God it was, because I was very reluctant to, for it to be the Christian God. Uh, and, and eventually after testing many religions and things, I came to the conclusion that it was the Christian God. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very, very moving testimony. Yeah. So, uh, so as a Christian speaker, uh, how long have you been uh, speaking? I guess uh, also ministering as well. Well, I, I would say, uh, I had my first church in 1984. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when I was sort of regularly speaking multiple times a week, either as a preacher or a Bible study leader, the church grew from 150 to 400. Mm -hmm. uh, shortly after that, I went to Papua New Guinea and I was speaking 21 times a week in various mm -hmm. venues. Three, mm -hmm. I was single then, three times a day, seven days a week. I had a lot mm -hmm. of energy. Uh, and that's when God ironed out the bumps in my uh, speaking and preaching. And I learned to prepare quickly. I learned to deliver well. I learned to... Uh, find out what the audience was thinking and feeling and speak to their worldview. Mm -hmm. And so far, what has been your most memorable speaking engagement? Well, I think uh, a few years back, I think it would have been about 2011, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in Indonesia and a friend asked me to speak to this meeting and I uh, spoke about healing. I'm a charismatic Christian. I spoke about healing and over uh, 300 people were healed. It was an incredibly emotional experience. I prayed for a lot of people for hours and hours. And I thought at the time, I thought this was just uh, too hysterical. It was too emotional. I'm not a very emotional person. So, uh, but I, I was a bit skeptical about the meeting. Then a month later, we get a, a letter back from Indonesia to the chap mm -hmm. I was traveling with, Alodi Derida. And the, the letter said that 300 people had been healed at that meeting. It was a very powerful meeting. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So uh, did you ever sense a clear confirmation from God to speak? Or was it more circumstances that have led you to where you are? Well, it, it was confirmation from God because I was not a natural speaker. Uh, mm -hmm. My first degree was in chemistry. I enjoyed being in a laboratory doing experiments. Uh, I said to God, I will do anything for you except stand up and speak and make a fool of myself because I, I was a rather introverted person. Uh, mm -hmm. I enjoyed theory. I enjoyed science. Uh, and uh, I, I also struggled with some of the ways that theology thinks uh, it, and uh, some of the ways that theology is argued. So I wasn't really confident to get out there in the theological world. I much preferred the facts, the cold hard facts of, you know, test tubes and spectrometers. So uh, mm -hmm. eventually God pushed me. And uh, also as I, I read my great grandfather's autobiography, he was a missionary in China uh, with mm -hmm. Hudson Taylor. 
uh, that I felt that I, I needed to get out and do it. Uh, and so God just threw me in the deep end and I swam. Mm -hmm. And you have a routine you do before a speaking engagement. And what is that routine? Well, I, I generally, a speaking engagement, I have quite a bit of uh, notice of it. And so I, I, I first I, I put to an outline of some thoughts right at the beginning. And I try and understand my audience. I try and understand the time slot I've got, the type of people I'm talking to, their English level, because I speak a lot internationally. Uh, and, and whether the audience wants me to speak in a very formal fashion or very informal fashion. So I do a little bit of research. I, I pray over it. I get a topic. I then, uh, in most talks, I would write it out word for word or pretty much close to that or a very, very detailed outline. Uh, now, for those that have PowerPoints, uh, and uh, I will prepare a, a very good uh, PowerPoint that fits that particular talk. I do have some talks, of course, that's pre-prepared. Pre I've spoken over 3,000 times on a wide variety of subjects. Mm -hmm. So I will uh, uh, do, do a nice PowerPoint and... Then, of course, uh, then before the meeting, I pray with a prayer partner of mine who's a very uh, powerful prayer partner, and I make sure that uh, I am fully have a sense that I have the anointing, that I have uh, words from the Lord for people, and uh, then I get up and uh, uh, do that. In terms of, uh, I also have habits. Like I always dress in a uh, a, a certain very common speaker attire i have a, a blazer and things like that that i wear uh mm. and i have a certain routine that way that works pretty much anywhere in the world uh, which is acceptable even at a large conference so i've got certain things that i've worked out that work for me i think each speaker has to work out what works for them mm -hmm. and what, uh, what is your favorite bible verse and why well, I have a lot of favorite favorite Bible verses. My original one that was always Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I've lived by faith uh, as a Christian missionary uh, for most of my life, uh, for forty years or so, and so that's always been that. Of course, I love Colossians. I love uh, the Christology of Colossians, where you know, he's the first, is uh, the image of the invisible. God, the firstborn of all creation. Uh, I love those kind of verses. Romans 8, I've just completed a Bible study series on Romans 8, put a little booklet out about them. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot of the scripture that I just love and adore. And uh, uh, I think anything that speaks of Christ, uh, I just absolutely, I love speaking about Jesus and I love speaking about prayer. Mm -hmm. And what's your favorite quote outside of the Bible? I said that to you, but I don't have that in, in, in front of me. Uh, it's a fairly long quote. There's a tide in the affairs of men that if taken it, the flood leads on to fortune. If omitted all the, uh, the days of their lives are spent in the shallows and the miseries. It's a quote from Shakespeare where Brutus is speaking uh, and he uh, says he has to seize the moment and get on with life. Uh, and I've always had a sense, particularly in missions, that you're, you sometimes have a sense that you're in a historical moment. You've got a open window to share the gospel at this time and in some places the window was very short it might only be six months long before there's going to be a persecution or there's going to be a change in government or something like that and you've just got to get in there and in the first days of the internet i realized this was a tremendous uh, avenue for sharing the gospel this was the early 1990s so i became one of the first christians on the internet i had the I think called the prayer page, which is the first uh, prayer website on the internet back where there was only 10,000 web pages, let alone websites. 
mm-hmm. and then after that I I developed a Bible teaching site which is one of the first major Bible teaching websites on the internet and we had a million readers a month for a while, a while there so I'm always mm-hmm. trying to uh, find ex- exploitable opportunities uh, and so I, I think if you miss opportunities, you do end up in the shallows and the miseries, uh, and that's not where I want to end up. You, you have to have a sense of judgment when to when to judge, uh, to get on that surfboard and ride the wave uh, for the mm-hmm. glory of God, not just for myself. Right. What person from the Bible, other than Jesus, do you most like? Well, I, I, I like Paul, the Apostle Paul. Uh, very somewhat similar background. I, I uh, as I said earlier, came from a sort of upper middle class, his family, very intellectual, uh, sort of I was one of these bright young things like Paul was, but I didn't actually persecute the church, but I certainly argued with Christians a lot, got mm-hmm. converted by God as a light, uh, uh, but not a bright light. I wasn't blinded, but it was a very mm-hmm. bright light. Uh, I then went out as a, mis- uh, as a missionary. I've certainly had my adventures. I've been through many coup d'etats and I've, mm-hmm. uh, you lived under incredibly tough conditions, haven't been stoned or thrown in jail, but certainly had uh, quite a few ups and downs over the years. My temperament is also quite type A, you know, like Paul. I, I'm, a, I'm a fairly impatient, driven person. Uh, and uh, early on when I was a young Christian in the youth group, we did that transformed temperaments. And everyone pointed at me and said, he's the choleric, he's the bad person, he's the impatient person. And so I've always been identified with Paul. And I observed as he, as he writes, he starts off with Galatians really rough. And by the time he's at Philemon, he's a very sophisticated communicator. Uh, and I think I've, I hope that my journey is similar, that I grow in grace and in sanctification, and that the hard edges get rubbed off. And I think that's part of the purpose of marriage is to have a wife that tells you when you're tactless. Uh, and so uh, I very much identify with the general tone of Paul's life, even though I, I'm certainly not claiming to be an apostle or anyone terribly mm-hmm. important. Uh, I'm just saying that his personality is a little bit like mine. Mm-hmm. What are your aspirations as far as speaking or otherwise? Well, I, I uh, way, way back in about 1994, uh, I set myself the goal, which I've only rarely achieved, uh, and I have to get back on track with this, of, of speaking to a million people a week through various forms of media uh, to give them a way of making a decision, mm-hmm. a spiritual decision of some sort, either that's commitment to Christ, recommitment to Christ, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, getting rid of some sin in their life, where, where at the end of the talk, they're making a decision of some sort to follow God in a deeper way, uh, not just academic talking about uh, a topic of this or a topic of that, uh, mm-hmm. not just you know getting into some argument about predestination, but giving people an uh, a opportunity to commit to some course of action uh, at the end of it. And that includes writing. I, I, I speak, but I also do quite a bit of writing and articles. So by the end of the articles, I want them to be able to uh, make some uh, deep decision either to pursue their own sanctification or to realize the danger of something. So it might only be a, you know, a small decision they make, but I wanted to, to flip the switches in people's heads. Mm-hmm. And looking back, what is the biggest impact you have seen God work in your life? Well, uh, straightening out my rather uh, rambunctious personality, I I, I, like I said, I'm very type A, I'm very driven, I'm curious about everything, I tend to chase shiny new things all the time, 
some of which are terribly unproductive. To have the self-discipline not to do that, to stay focused, uh, to be much kinder with people than I was when I was younger, uh, to be uh, less argumentative, to be someone that's more spirit-filled and kind, that I think is the greatest work of God in, in my life. Of course, I've seen miracles. I've seen, you know, like I said, mentioned earlier, healings and, and things like that. Uh, but uh, that the healing is, is secondary to, I think, to, for me, the big miracles uh, have been in terms of, uh, of changing John uh, because I'm not a person that appreciates change or wants to be changed. I'm very change-resistant. I wear pretty much the same clothes that I, that I wore when I was young. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't adopt fashion. Uh, and uh, uh, I eat the same food. I dress the same way. Uh, I read the same kind of books. I'm, I'm not someone that wants to be faddish. And I don't like change and I don't like being changed, which is part of my resistance to becoming a Christian. I didn't want to change. Uh, mm -hmm. And so God, God sovereignly works in uh, this stubborn old guy. And I think that's the marvel of God that he has his way in our hearts. Mm -hmm. What has been the biggest challenge for you as a speaker? And how have you overcome that challenge? Well, I was very, I was a skinny nerd when I started speaking and I was plagued with intense shyness and self-consciousness. Uh, and it was not easy for me to get up and speak. And I was terrified of even the tiniest detail being wrong or someone laughing at me or, thinking that I was stupid. Uh, and uh, so I was hypersensitive to any the tiniest criticism. Uh, and it was uh, a very uh, difficult thing for me to do. For the first, say, three or four years of public speaking, uh, it was kind of semi-traumatic to get up and speak, even though I spoke a lot. Uh, so I uh, it was overcoming my self-consciousness, my... Uh, social anxiety, my shyness, uh, that was, uh, and, and learning that I was just, I was just an instrument. I'm a clay vessel and the precious thing is the word of God. And if I deliver the word of God, then I've done my job and what people think of the clay vessel just doesn't matter. And so separating myself from the message. What's your favorite book besides the Bible? Well, as a child, it was, I read a lot of Greek mythology, including the Iliad and the Odyssey and Homer. Uh, and I think Homer had a huge impact on me. Uh, the, the, and, you know, I don't advocate people reading about Greek gods, obviously I'm a Christian, but the, the sense of adventure and nobility and uh, exploration and honor, uh, being an honorable person, being an adventurous person, being a brave person, being someone that was prepared to go beyond your limits uh, and, and just to face life as it is uh, and rather than living in some sort of false comfort zone. I think that has always been something that's driven me. What advice do you have for Christian speakers? Well, I think the first and most important thing is to speak to people and not about topics. Mm. Uh, speak to your audience, acknowledge them, make eye contact with them, talk to them like they're real people. I'm not just someone listening to, to a lecture about the Trinity or something. It's very easy when you go to Bible college, theological college, to get excited about a topic that you've learned in class and then go in, into a pastoral context and rattle off a theological lecture and say, oh, this concept's great and this Greek word's great and this Hebrew word's great. Of course it is, but that's, that's not speaking to them as human beings. And people need to feel loved. 
they need to feel connected with, they need to feel talked to, they need to feel that they're being recognized by the speaker. And if you're just talking about a topic, if you say, okay, today we're going to talk about the Book of Romans, the Book of Romans was written to these people in Rome, blah, 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 blah. They're, they're asleep in five minutes. But uh, so you've got to figure out uh, what you're, so you can still talk about the Book of Romans, uh, and, but you start off instead. Today we're talking, we're going to start a series on the Book of Romans, and I'm going to help you understand how God saves you. This book's the first eight chapters of this book is all about our salvation, and this, and we're going to you're going to find out how much God loves you, how you're saved by faith, how the Holy Spirit's working in your life. You're going to hear a lot about how God operates in the world and and how He operates towards honourable Gentiles and towards Jews and all the rest. And I, I want you to locate yourself in this story as we go along. And here we are in Romans chapter one, and we're talking about the Apostle Paul. And so you've got to get people and move them along and talk to them as individuals. Uh, and so that makes a big difference if you talk to people like they really matter. Uh, and they, they, you, they sense your warmth, they sense your connection, uh, that you're speaking to them. You don't have to speak about success principles all the time. You don't have to uh, bend the gospel to a health and wealth gospel. You can speak about the same topics, but in a different tone, a different way, and you have to relate to them. And uh, I think that's the number one thing you, people have to do as a Christian speaker. The other one is to be well-prepared and well-structured. People uh, are generally don't like when speakers take off at wild tangents. Some people do. Some people can follow with that. But they want to follow with the idea. They want to see where you're going. And they want to feel that they're being taken along in a journey. And you suddenly don't insert a story about your children or, uh, or some little thing you've heard on the news, which is completely irrelevant to the topic of the sermon. So it's a good idea to find some way of, of structuring your talk in a very logical way and say, this is where we're at. We've gone from here to here. We're going the next step. We're going from there to there. And then people feel safe with you. Psychological tests show that 65% of people are highly conventional and those highly conventional people appreciate a structured environment. Now, of course, you have your very creative people who aren't and they can float with you if you go off at tangents. But uh, most people want you to take them step by step through the material or, or through the idea or presentation. If it's not a Bible presentation, it might be on something like marriage and family, it might be a seminar. But whatever you do, they, they want to feel they're organized. A lot of people like a workbook that they can write in. They want to feel that they're a participant uh, and that you're not just going off in some uh, crazy fashion. The, 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 the next thing I'd, I'd like to emphasize is you need to connect with the basic ideas that are in people's heads. You need to speak to their worldview. You need to speak to their mind, their heart, and their spirit. And they've often got a thought in their head that's completely contrary to the gospel. And you need to to argue with that thought. Uh, and it might be they might have a thought that uh, from the new age that all things are one and, and everyone goes to heaven and God is just love and, and things like that. And, and you might realize that a huge chunk of your audience has that thought uh, going on in their mind or their heart. Or there in Romania, uh, I think there's a fair bit of atheism uh, and there's a fair bit of old Catholicism. So you need to know what's the thoughts in their heads that you need to persuade. You need to persuade them to change those ideas. And you need to persuade them in a way that shifts them the deepest part of their being, their human spirit. You need to speak to that, the heart, the deepest parts of their heart, uh, and not just to a set of propositions uh, in their head, though the propositions are important. You have to speak to them in a way that, that 
demonstrates the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God to them so that something in them gets very hungry and goes, aha, and you need to be aware of that inner world. So before you preach, you have to get around and talk with people, have coffee with people, listen to people, understand them, not just read books about the culture or the latest thing about Gen X or Gen Y or whatever. You, you need to get to know where people are scratching, where they're hurting, why they're lonely, uh, and speak about those issues in a way that, that helps them to be settled down on the inside as you speak and to seek after God. Amen. Thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast, John. And may God uh, bless you abundantly in your ministry. Well, well, thank you, Jeremy. Thank you for the opportunity to come on this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this from. Or if you're tuning in on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to this channel. Also, please share this podcast episode with Christian speakers that you know. If you're a Christian speaker and want to be interviewed as a guest on this show, you can fill out our scheduler at inspireyouraudience.com slash podcast. If you're a Christian speaker and would like the platform audit, visit inspireyouraudience.com slash start dash here. We offer four packages for Christian speakers to help them build their platform. The book, Inspire Your Audience, the ultimate guide to building your speaking platform will be coming soon. We also have started a small but growing community for Christian speakers. To learn more, please visit inspireyouraudience.com slash community. Also, if you're still listening and can help with the project my wife and I have started, please do so. We're raising money for three children's homes to be built by 2023 and that will house a total of 18 abandoned children. Our nonprofit, Potter Sauce Ministries, is based in Romania in my wife's hometown. To learn more about how you and your church can help, please visit www.pottersauceministries.org. Thank you for your support and may you have a blessed day.